This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of our favorite rivers to fly fish is the Yellowstone River both in Yellowstone National Park and also in Paradise Valley in Montana. A week before we are recording this podcast, the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks closed the river. It closed a 183-mile stretch of the stone from the northern border of Yellowstone near Gardner to the city of Laurel, and the reason was a killer parasite which killed 4,000-plus fish in the Paradise Valley stretch in less than a week. Can you imagine that? No, it's just stunning. It is. It's just sickening, isn't it? And a lot of them were whitefish, but some were trout. If you want more information, you can Google articles on that or just go to our blog post, The Yellowstone River Killers, uh, to find a little bit more about the backstory. But what we want to do today in this podcast is to reflect a little bit on our love for the Yellowstone as well as to identify some lessons that we can learn from this crisis. I think it's important uh, to begin by saying we realize most of you are not in Montana or Flyfish Montana regularly. Uh, Steve and I used to live in Montana. Steve lived there for 20 years. Uh, I just lived there for a few years, but then I uh, have lived also in Colorado. So much of our fly fishing experience, at least early on, has been in the American West, and so the rivers right. in the West are really dear to us. Yep, um, they are. And today we still go back once for sure, and then sometimes two times a year back to Montana to right. fly fish. So the topic is dear to our heart. And today we live in the Chicago area, as I mentioned, and so we often fish in the Driftless as well. And I realize in Wisconsin, in, in Wisconsin, Minnesota, yes. And yep. so um, as we talk about this today, I think some of the principles apply to all of our rivers wherever you fish. Before we get into some lessons, maybe to help you understand why we we love the Yellowstone so much, let's just talk about the magic of the Yellowstone. Dave, what what is it for you? The Yellowstone River and Yellowstone National Park are synonymous to me, and the stretch of river that is closed now is really, the bulk of it is in Paradise Valley, or at least a large section of it is in Paradise Valley. And Paradise Valley is just to the north uh, of Yellowstone National Park. And so when I think of the Yellowstone River, I also think of all our days in the Yellowstone uh, National Park. Specifically, I think about, you know, hiking down below Tower Fall and, you know, the stories about running into a wolf and, you know, running into a herd of bison. And, you know, we always have this fear of running into a grizzly. But just Mm -hmm. all the many, many days of wonderful fly fishing and catching cutthroat trout on uh, you know on yep. the Yellowstone in the park it's just oh. the magic to me of the Yellowstone River is the magic of Yellowstone National Park yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'm, I'm with you on that I also have a, a real fondness for uh, the Yellowstone as it runs through Paradise Valley I actually lived there for nine months when uh, my wife and I were I guess we'd been married about three years and uh, had just had one child at that point, and uh, I, I worked on a ranch for a few months and uh, lived within sight of the river and then uh, moved to Helena, but often came back because my folks lived uh, 
uh, right near Mill Creek, right on the Yellowstone, and then uh, even when I lived near Bozeman for a number of years, uh, I would always get over and fish that. Uh, my grandparents are buried in a little settler cemetery just up from the river, and and sometimes when I'm fishing the Yellowstone in Paradise Valley, I look up and see the uh, the, the mountainside where I, I shot a uh, an elk with a bow and. Uh, uh, actually used some of the uh, the hide on that to tie some caddisflies and and actually caught some more trout in the Yellowstone. So wow, I, you that's know, a great memory. Yeah, there's all those memories swirling around, and uh, yeah, even some of the floats that you and I have been on with uh, Dave Cumlin and uh, and Bob Granger. Yep, yeah, Bob Granger. In fact, one of our first floats. It may have been the first float it that was. we took together. Yeah, yep. Was mm-hmm. uh, was in Paradise Valley. You know, when I think of Paradise Valley, I also think of your mom and dad. Yeah. And especially your dad, who was a pastor in that valley. And back in the 90s, uh, the magazine that I worked uh, on, I was an editor and writer for a magazine called Leadership Journal. We did a photo essay of Steve's dad. And one of the memories I have is we're standing at the bridge. I think it's the Mill Creek. Is there a yeah. is the Mill Creek Bridge? Yep, there? Mill Creek Bridge. Uh-huh. The snow is coming down, uh-huh. and we're trying to take shots of his dad. It was just, it was, these were all done in black and white. And it was a photographer from Southern California, a photographer from Southern California who had actually taken a class from Ansel Adams. Oh my word, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh wow. And back in the day, like Woo. years ago, yeah. So and, and so when I think of of your father, I think of Paradise Valley. I think of yeah. Ansel Adams because of the black and white pics, yep. and that's how we um, laid out the essay in the magazine. It was oh, all black wow. and white. I didn't realize. That's cool to know that backstory. You know, that is a gorgeous place. In fact, I remember one day when I lived in uh, Belgrade and a friend of mine who had a company in Belgrade, Eric, uh, he called me up. He was a CEO of this uh, semiconductor uh, company and he called me up and he says, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk looking at this Montana calendar. He says, and I realize that I'm staring at your folks' house. I thought, what? Really? Yeah. Somebody took a, just a gorgeous shot from the Mill Creek Bridge, just looking up at the Absorky Beartooth Mountains, and it's in the evening, and there's this red glow, and you, you see the aspens below in the valley. But, yeah, there's my folks' house. It was just uh, maybe a couple hundred yards from that uh, from that bridge. So. Well, not to get too emotional here, but... Um, your dad was such a great man, and he's gone now, and and you know died way too soon. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. when I think of the Yellowstone, I think of your dad. Yeah, and, uh, you're uh, right. He's just a great man. I do too. Had a, caught a lot of fish there too. Sometimes, uh, boy, the Yellowstone is is one river even today. Man, some some days it just it just beats me up. You know, yeah. it just yeah. throws me to the mat, and 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 I wait on those you know big boulders and you know those rocks and i'm dead tired it's like i, I, I caught nothing or I, exactly. I caught one or two but i've i've really had some magical days on that too so it's a great thing great place all right so when, when we think about that river i mean i'm still trying to wrap my mind around that that river and all its tributaries have been closed and like you said we we think of that main stretch in paradise valley but there's a lot of river running from uh, livingston to Laurel, which is right along yeah, Interstate a lot 90. Of river. Yeah, so I, it's just hard to imagine that that thing is closed, but it is. So I guess what we want to talk about is what are some lessons that we can 
we can take away. And I, I think we've kind of identified maybe three lessons or three big buckets into which we can uh, uh, kind of pull out some lessons. The first is the little things matter. Man, that's great. That's right? so true. The little things yep. matter. The reason the river is closed is because of a parasite that is infecting fish yep. and killing fish. And years ago, you know, I think 20 years ago, was it was whirling disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, fish were dying and they couldn't figure out why. And through the years, they have added uh, best practices for fly fishers. Mm -hmm. And one of the changes was moving from felt-soled boots to, um, what would they be called now? Were they rubber? More rubber? Yeah, more rubber sole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some states, I think, have actually mandated it, right. but not mm -hmm. in the state of Montana. So right. you can still use felt soles. And, and you wonder if that'll change. Yeah, now, you wonder you? if that'll change. And the not reason saying it, it should or shouldn't. It's just that that may be the, the next step. So and tell, explain a little bit about why felt soles have increased risk of transmitting the parasite. Yeah, felt soles are, uh, they're, they're so, the material, it's so compact and, and it holds moisture for days. You know, that, that's the problem with it. Moisture can get trapped into this compressed, uh, into these compressed fibers. And so uh, experts will even recommend waiting between five to seven days before using a pair of boots with felt soles on another river. Now, who does that? Yeah. I yeah, mean, exactly. I have to say I haven't. I've, and especially if you and I are on a trip out there, you know, yeah. I don't typically have two pairs. Well, I don't yeah, carry two right. pairs of boots with. Yeah. I just don't. And I know a blow dryer can help speed up the process. But even then, I, and I've used a blow dryer at times, but I'm not convinced that I've even done it long enough to uh, let the, you know, the, the inside of that sole really... Uh, dry out and the risk is is that you fish the Yellowstone one day and let's say the next day you go over um, um, and fish the Madison yeah mm -hmm. well all those organisms that are in your boot from fishing the Yellowstone yep. are, are still there exactly and and then the risk is that you transmit mm -hmm. that uh, parasite oh. to the Madison River and then all its tributaries. So That's, there's yep. a high degree of risk. Yep. So and we should say this: it's too premature to know to say how this parasite yeah, was know. transmitted. It could be that that it was an animal uh, or, or animals. That's a possibility. But we do know historically, like with whirling disease, that that does get transmitted. Or New Zealand mud snails. There was a section on the lower Madison, one of the accesses that I used to go to uh, to fish that was closed for a while because there was a, there was a small section. It might even been a slough. Might, I can't remember if it was in the main river or not, but th there was a place where there had been New Zealand mud snails, and those had to have been brought in by, uh, you know, felt soles or perhaps a, a drift boat. That's the other thing, you know, a drift boat where uh, the, the bottom of that hasn't been sufficiently cleaned. Uh, so we are not saying that, we're not claiming that, that this particular crisis on the Yellowstone was because of uh, a failure to carry out these practices. Now, it wouldn't surprise me at all that that's the case. But even if it's not, there, there have been enough others. So all we're saying is this is just another good reminder to uh, take care of your gear. I also think the corollary to that is one of the... Uh, outcomes from the whirling disease would after all the research all the science all the data all the research they found out that it it actually most of the whirling disease had come out of a fish hatchery in Colorado yeah mm -hmm. and um, and it wasn't actually felt-soled boots and so some people mm -hmm. thought well maybe the the focus on felt-soled boots was a little 
premature, but however, yeah. I don't know that it is. I mean, I, yeah. it, it does have the potential to transmit, you know, the virus so, mm-hmm. or the parasite. So right. um, there are some things, though, that we can do. And what are yeah. those, Steve? Well, one is you can use a garden hose and, and even a stiff, like a vegetable brush to uh, remove mud from, from your boots. But, but even from your, lower, from your waders, especially the, uh, the lower part of your waders. Another would be let the sun... Uh, dry out your waders. Uh, that's important. And, and when you do that, don't forget to uh, turn up the gravel guards. You know, if, if you have waders, you know what they are. If you don't, at the bottom of your waders, you have these gravel guards, which is kind of a, uh, what would you liken that to? It's a little know. bit like when you're skiing, cross-country skiing, and you've got gaiters on. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a kind flap of, like, of sorts. Yeah, yeah, it's a flap. It's kind of like a built-in gaiter. Well, uh, don't forget to turn that up and to dry that out. Um, you can also use a blow dryer, you know, on your yeah. felt soles mm-hmm. and inside your wading boots. Yeah. The problem, again, is, you know, if you're, if you're fishing several days in a row, that's just mm-hmm. not going to be sufficient right. to dry it out. So yep. ultimately, if you're fishing out there and um, you're fishing multiple rivers and, you know, within days of mm-hmm. each other, you really need different sets of boots right if you use felt soles you if know the, you use felt the other soles, alternative yeah. is to use rubber and dave what's the disadvantage of using rubber why don't we why aren't we as big a fan of that now this is just a personal um a, well it's a personal opinion i i have struggled wading the yellowstone with with uh, rubber soles. I don't think that's a personal opinion. I, I think everyone would agree with you on that. And I don't know I mean, if it's it, just the Yellowstone. Yeah. I don't seem to have had the same problem in the Madison, but the, the rocks don't have that slick coating on it. Yeah, there's a lot more gravel in the Madison, the, where we fish, the lower Madison, not the upper. Yeah, you know, there's, there's more of that in the upper. Yeah, yeah. you get more rocks. So I think mm-hmm. with rubber sole boots, I just have never felt as secure and as no. safe. And that's and, the issue, yeah. And I know that they have studded uh, rubber sole boots now. Mm-hmm. I don't have a pair. I have a pair of yeah. Sims boots. And, and Corkers makes that uh, uh, makes a boot. I, I should have looked it up. I forget what they call the uh, you know the the tread on that, but it's actually uh, you know metal plates. Yeah, it has. They uh, have plates on it. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I've heard that works really well. There are some things you can do, and the little things matter. Yeah. And the little things, mm-hmm. as annoying as they are. Um, matter and I think that we need to, to just it's a good reminder that these yeah. things matter and we need to take the time to, to do these things and little it really disciplines is. and to, we're we're, we're uh, talking to ourselves as much as to anybody yeah, absolutely because I have to admit I, I I try to be conscientious but I'll admit I get lazy I am so lazy yeah. in fact I was just looking at my boots for my recent trip to the driftless uh, with my nephew and I looked at them and thought you know I didn't clean those things off before I let them dry and now it will have been you know a month or so before I actually fly fish again and so it's really dry but my boots have a little dirt on them there's a little uh, um, there's some grass on it still and, I, and that's just pure laziness yep yeah it's really true it's really true what's another lesson that we can learn I think another is that you need to treasure the moments that you have fly fishing a river or stream because conditions change and i remember fly fishing elk creek near augusta montana back when we were young teenagers late in our teenage years and we had these wonderful days fishing these beaver ponds and i caught some really nice browns out of those beaver ponds but we i remember catching rainbows out of that stream Mm -hmm. 
um, catching brook trout out of that stream. There's a place called Sparrow Canyon. Oh, there was just, mm. It was just this beautiful, beautiful uh, stretch of, of, of river that came out of the scapegoat wilderness. In fact, we used to camp up in um, the National Forest and then come down and fish. Well, yep. the river's changed. Like I fished it like seven or eight years later, maybe not even that long, but I took yep. my brother, who at the time was 16, and mm -hmm. I was probably 22 or 23, and it had already changed. The, the, yep. they had, the beaver dams had silted, and it was gone. So I think the point is, is that you really only have the moments that you have on these rivers yeah, yeah. and to treasure them. I mean, who knows what, uh, what when the Yellowstone is open again? We don't know when that's going to happen, but when it does, uh, you know, what's it going to be like? I remember about, oh, I'm going to guess 15, maybe it's been 20 years ago when I lived uh, in uh, near Belgrade, Montana, and went over and fished the Yellowstone a lot, that one... Uh, one spring, we had some major flooding. I mean, huge flooding on the Yellowstone, and it completely changed that river. Yeah. I mean, some of the some of the runs that I used to fish weren't there anymore. Now there there were new ones. It's you know it's not like the fish went away, but it was it was a brand new river, and that was hard. That was hard to get used to. Yeah. So you never know. Um, yeah, treasure the moments because conditions are going to change. Whether it's uh, a parasite, whether it's flooding, whether it's silting, uh, uh, things change. The final lesson, I think, from the Yellowstone uh, River, I would call it a disaster. The, you know, yeah, 4,000 fish in a week is, yep. is a disaster. Um, is that public access is fragile. Yeah, it and is. And this is a corollary to the previous point, but back to Elk Creek, thinking about our access came through... Uh, an elderly woman who owned the land where the river uh, cut through. And we could fish Elk Creek up in the National Forest where it flowed out of the scapegoat wilderness. And we could fish it further down where we could get access via a bridge. But right where her land was, there was just this, the cuts in the river, the, and the, just the, the river was unbelievable. And mm. So years later, when I tried to fly fish it, uh, we found out that um, that she had sold the land. Actually, Flossie had died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so not only you know do conditions change, but public mm -hmm. access changes. Yeah, like I mentioned a few moments ago, I remember the uh, uh, Lower Madison. There was a fishing ac access I used to use that was closed for a while because of the New Zealand mud snails. And... You know, other places that, that happens, sometimes it'll be, uh, this isn't true with uh, access points that like the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks would put out or the uh, Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. But there are some places where landowners will let you on, but then all of a sudden they realize, hey, there's money in, uh, in leasing this to an outfitter and you just can't get on anymore. Yeah, well, that's so true in North Dakota where we hunt pheasants and hunt geese just in the last 20 years my goodness you know the landowners now lease their land and whereas you could get access before you can't so this whole thing has just reminded me again one how much yeah. i love fly fishing mm -hmm. but also how much i love the rivers yeah and i don't yeah. know if you can love a thing but um <laughs> i love those <laughs> yeah. rivers out there and it's just heartbreaking to see it oh, close, not just because I can't fish, but because of what it's doing to the river and the fish. Yeah, we it. treasure them. They are, they're a precious commodity. Yeah. Well, it's time now for good stuff from our listeners. Uh, we like uh, getting your comments and uh, just hearing some of your insights and questions. And 
today's comment comes from uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob M. And it's in response to our blog post, The Yellowstone River Killers. Uh, uh, this is what Bob says. He says, I live in the Yellowstone drainage. With concerns over felt-soled wading boots, I think I will reserve a set for the Yellowstone waters and use another for other waters to help minimize the possible spread of parasites uh, for a couple of years. Isn't the safety of our waters and fish worth the $100 for another set of felt-soled boots? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, I do Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That's a, yeah. that's a really good comment, and I appreciate the... Uh, uh, the example and um, yeah we're, we're gonna have to think about something like that too um, I'm always happy to buy more gear so <laughs> yeah let's save for another pair of boots but but seriously that's a that's a great point all right that's going to do it for today are there any lessons you see in this crisis please share your thoughts with us by going to two guys in a river.com and commenting on this podcast link what can we learn from the Yellowstone River disaster? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. Give us a review. That helps. Also, you can download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcasts. If you want access to every episode that we've ever published, visit our website and click on every episode on the navigation bar and you will receive it. We have a list of every episode that we've published to date. Right, and every blog post as well. Yep. Well, that'll do it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>